You're listening to SM Media, the number one place for exclusive Scottish football content. Hi folks and welcome back to the latest episode of the SM Media Scottish Football Show. I'm Scott McPike. It is an absolute pleasure to be your host as always. Really happy to be back in the, doing the show, obviously with a wee bit of a break with the World Cup and obviously a busy Christmas period. But we are back. It is the first show of 2023. Happy New Year to all our listeners. And I want to welcome tonight's guest. It's an absolute pleasure to welcome back to the show, first of all, Scott Bradley. Scott, Happy New Year and welcome back to the show. You too, mate. Thank you very much for having me again. It's an absolute pleasure. I'm looking forward to this one. I'm delighted to be joined by well, Celtic columnist on the channel, the man who keeps us up to date with Celtic, everything, all, everything Celtic over the past few months. It's a pleasure to welcome back Josh McCaffrey. Josh, happy new year. Happy new year, mate. Looking forward to this tonight. Brilliant. It's going to be a good show, obviously. Well, we've had a, a busy few weeks. Away. Obviously, some news. We've obviously been a bit away for the, the SPFL. We're back. Obviously, we're going to talk about this the previous Monday's action with a bit of full card on Monday, dominated by a couple of big derbies that we'll get into as well. Uh, we'll also talk about the Championship, League 1 and League 2, obviously been some busy times over the past few weeks. But where else to start but the early kickoff on Monday, Rangers 2, Celtic 2. The gap between Celtic and Rangers is still nine points. Celtic obviously took the lead early on through Dyson and Maida. Rangers uh, got back into the game, uh, an early goal in the second half from Ryan Kent and then a penalty from James Tabernier turned it round for Rangers, but a late equaliser from Kyogo sealed a point for Celtic and kept the gap to nine points. There's a lot to get through here, boys. It's a, it was one of the, Josh, it was one of those games, it was it was end to end, there was a lot going on. Both sides I think had had chances. It was just one of those old firms where you're just it was it was kind of non-stop one it's if you're a neutral you certainly had a, a decent day watching that I like you say it's great watch for neutral um, not so much <laughs> for the fans of both teams to be honest uh, you're at the edge of your seat the whole time um, I think the point suits Celtic much more than it does Rangers uh, I think the challenge for the title there's still a slight hope there but to really challenge and come back they needed to win that game they were close Kyogo as you say the last couple of minutes gets his goal uh, Celtic didn't really threaten to be honest in the second half they didn't I think it was two shots on target throughout the game so mm-hmm. but they were clinical in front of goal and Kyogo gets that in the last minute to keep their nine point lead and valuable strike for the Japanese solos I think you're in, your point your point there about Celtic I thought the first 20 minutes Celtic were excellent but I thought they just controlled the ball they were making Rangers sit back the Rangers couldn't really get near them to be honest and it was just as if Rangers kind of get into the game Celtic obviously took the early goal get into that obviously throughout the, the game and then the last 20 minutes, you would say Celtic caught and get back in. They were doing what they did at the start and obviously get the reward. But, Josh, what does that do for Celtic? Nine points, if you'd probably said to Ange Postacoglu at the start, uh, when, they, when they come back from the World Cup break, it would still be nine points after Christmas and you would be you would, you would have won four games and drew against Rangers. They would have probably took that. Oh, yeah, definitely you take that. And to be nine points clear at this stage is brilliant for Celtic. They've got a couple of home games coming up now. And I think the point suits them, as I said earlier, more than it does Rangers. You say Celtic dominate the first 20 minutes. I think they played really well. Mm-hmm. However, I think the Joe Hart mistake kind of changed the shift of the match. Yeah. Um, took his time on the ball in the box. Morelos got in. Kent as a shot. Hart does make a good save. 
uh, to be fair to him, but that kind of changed the flow and Rangers kind of came into that more. They came out in the second half and it was probably they started the second half and they finished the first half on top and they got their two quick fire goals. Um, the penalty, the Rangers penalty is a penalty all day for me, I feel. Uh, we can want to talk a bit more about the goals and handball later on. Get into that, don't worry. Yeah. Scott, from a Rangers perspective, I think similar in the way of if you'd said to Michael Beale, when we'll, we've been quite quiet about Michael Beale coming in, I've been quite impressed with him so far. I think he's come in, he's had to, he's not changed very much, but in a way, changed a lot. And if you'd said to him, it would, it would be nine points after, after the Celtic game and he'd won four and drew one, I think he would have taken that as well. But when you're two one up and you you turn the game around after going behind early, it's one of those where you probably think from a Rangers perspective, has it two points dropped? Yeah, it's a massive missed opportunity uh, from a Rangers perspective, Scott. Because first half, um, Celtic were obviously good for the first twenty minutes. Then there really wasn't much between the sides. Then second half, it was all Rangers. Rangers utterly dominated Celtic. Rangers played a lot of good stuff. Sakala was sensational. I think Ivanovic will be having nightmares about him. <laughs> I think the Celtic, the rest of the Celtic defence will be too. Um, yeah, Rangers played really well second half. Um, they were like dominant, playing, a, as I said, a lot of good stuff. And then I think it was the substitutions that cost Rangers, bringing on Scott Wright and James Sands. And obviously, you can see the difference there from the bench. But Celtic brought on Jota, etc. Rangers bring on James Sands and uh, Scott Wright. And and we see up front as well. You took obviously uh, we took off Morelos, and then you when you look up front, you've got Sakala, Scott Wright, then obviously Kent. You've not it's a bit see so running about the centre area. It's a bit it's a bit light. So if we had brought on maybe I don't know Kamar Roof or even that's what I think I would have done. I would have brought on Kamar Roof, and Arfield maybe put uh, Roof outright. Then Arfield in the midfield because Arfield was like a, a total impact sub. You would have came on. He's ruthless, ruthless like we pit bull. Um, he's like bags of energy. And um, I think that would have been the perfect sub. Or even if he wasn't going to bring on Ruth, even bring on Cholak. Ruth Cholak, you've got a something up front. He can hold the ball up and maybe cause the Celtic defence some problems. Um, but yeah, I think the, the subs are what cost Rangers at the end of the day. And Michael Beale so far has not really put a foot wrong since he's came in. He's had a good start and. Yeah, like there's plenty of positives I think Rangers can take from that performance because once Maeda scored in the first half, a lot of Rangers fans, including myself, were feeling the worst. We thought, oh, here we go, it's going to be another Celtic uh, dominant performance where they're going to wipe the floor with Rangers. But yeah, whatever Bill said to them at half time, it worked. It was great to see Ryan Kent get a goal. I think that would be massive for him in terms of his confidence. Um, but yeah, plenty of positives to take. But it was two points dropped and Rangers should have won that. I think Josh had a good point there as well and I think you, we've, you've both kind of covered it. Rangers, Rangers for the two Celtic goals are really, really poor. They're two poor mistakes, particularly from uh, Morelos with the pass for the first goal. It obviously lets my in. Tavernier should clear it. But Josh makes the point there. Celtic are clinical. Celtic pounce on mistakes. Celtic were capitalising on that. Maeda still had a lot to do and I think it's I think as well, the first goal, Maeda is able to take a poor touch and still recover with enough time to get through and goal. And I think that's the thing Rangers Rangers really need to work on. There's a lot of the same mistakes that Rangers make. From a Celtic perspective, Josh, when you're not playing well, when you're when and I think Celtic have played well in recent recent weeks, I think particularly the Habs game, you touched on it the other day. Celtic against Habs were so clinical, were able to just cut through Habs. And that's 
it takes a lot for that Celtic team, particularly when they're not when they're not having a great and they're not playing well. The performance isn't there. They don't give in. They don't give in. They're still able to still take the chance. They still take that late chance. Kyogo, it's a brilliant finish. It's a really good finish. It's it's an instant. It's an instinctive finish. But also, I think the big thing for Celtic is Celtic Celtic subs compared to Rangers subs. Celtic brought brought on obviously Juranovic was in force for Greg Taylor. Aaron Moy comes on, Jota comes on, Abada, and then you've got Jack Amakis. And Scott made the point there, Rangers three subs are Ryan Jack, James Sands, and Scott Wright. And it tells you a lot about the difference in squad at the moment, Josh. And I think Celtic, that's the edge Celtic have. Now, Celtic have just got firepower. They can bring it. The Johnson come straight in, and I thought he did pretty well. I don't. I think there was at times where you could see he was, I think the, the occasion maybe got to him, but he was still... Reasonable enough. I thought in his first game, Carter Vickers was a rock at the back as well. And Celtic just have this thing of their, the squad's fit. They're not picking up many injuries. And when you've got that unity and you've got that consistency, it's the reason they're nine points clear. Yeah, I think uh, it was the market champion Celtic were able to go to the home of their fiercest rivals and pick up a point despite how poorly they played. Um, you make a point about the squads. I think Celtic's recruitment right now at the minute is... Very, very good. Uh, the way they, they're forward thinking, they're always looking at the next options to send three players before January this year. Mm-hmm. That's excellent. That's the kind of difference between Celtic and Rangers right now. I haven't. I know Michael Beals just came in and things like that. I'm not really in tune with Rangers as much as you guys might be. I'm not sure if they've looked to add to the squad, if there's been any players rumoured. However, Celtic are two steps ahead of the game, as always right now with Ange Postacoglu. That's and it's a nice change for Celtic support from a couple of years ago when we were looking at second loan players um, at the last minute. And I think, yeah, it was a great point for us. And the squad right now, like you say, guys like Jota, Jack, Marcus, Abada, all internationals for the country apart from Jota, uh, coming off the bench there. And I think the subs did make a difference to Jack and Marcus up top. I think he yeah. would push that Rangers back line back and then it allows Kyogo to get into that space that's been allowed there. And that's how he gets to go because Jack Max is right in there against the centre-halves. Kyogo's at the edge of the box to gobble up the chance like he does to great finish into the roof of the net goes through a couple of bodies. Uh, Johnston, I think, done really well. Um, I was pleasantly surprised with him coming in in a big game like that on his debut. He's played in the MLS. I don't think, no disrespect to the MLS, you'll not have an atmosphere like that, especially away um, against Rangers. So he done really well. He coped to the occasion well. There's a couple of times he looked vulnerable, but I think he has all the marks of a promising signing for Celtic and he will probably be the first choice right back. Juranovic was very poor. So Cali gave him a really tough time. Uh, for the, I think it was the gold, Ryan Kent's goal, Juranovic is way out of position. Uh, the ball comes over the top, allows Cali to take it down, does pretty well, plays on Kent. It's a great finish for Ryan Kent. Uh, with all due respect, Johnston, I don't think he can do much there. Kent cuts inside. Um, but yeah, pleased with Johnston. He looks really good and pleased with the point overall. And Celtic continue. I think we may get one or two more in before the end of the window. I wouldn't be surprised to see that as well. Yeah, I think, I think there could be potentially one or two in and maybe one or two out. Let's talk tonight, obviously, with Jack Marcus potentially going. Obviously, we've heard the talk about Yananovic as well. It's Celtic, Scott, have got their recruitment really well, really really well sorted. As, as Josh mentioned there, a couple of seasons ago, it was really bad, really poor Celtic recruitment. But the thing that gets me with, uh, and this is where I think Rangers have to learn a lesson from Celtic is, Every player seems to be a player that the manager wants to bring in to suit his system. Now, over the past couple of years, I, I've been on here a lot talking about Rangers recruitment and what is the actual structure, what's the plan. Michael Beale's coming in. I, Michael Beale's obviously come in. 
he wants to bring in two or three in this window. I think a win for Rangers would not have changed the fact that the squad needs a massive overhaul. You've got the situation with Ken Morelos. I get the vibe if Michael Beale had the choice between picking, keeping one of them, it's Ryan Kent all day long. I think he wouldn't be too bothered if Morelos was away any time because I don't think, I think a lot of patience is kind of running out with Morelos. But Michael Beale and Ross Wilson have to get, this This January has to be the start of the, the Rangers squad rebuild because it has to be a rebuild. You have, there's a lot of players there who aren't good enough. There's a lot of players there who have maybe reached a peak. This has to be a big start for Bill and Wilson to get this recruitment right in the next six months because January you can you can start start it. Summer's going to be massive, but January you can you can start putting the pieces in the puzzle. I would say, yeah, hundred percent. It's going to be massive, and obviously Ross Wilson has came under a lot of criticism as of late. Um, even at the AGM, he was asked uh, about his role. And he says, I'm not the one that makes signings. So I'm like, what are you doing there then? Like, what what are we paying you for? You know, but yeah, it's, it's going to be it's going to be crucial. The, the, so the rebuild needs to start like now. And there's a lot of deadwood that needs to go. And I do agree with you. I think he would pick Ryan Kent over Morelos. Um, I love Alfredo Morelos. Um, on his day, in my opinion, when he's on it, he is, in my opinion, the best striker in the country. But we've not seen... Morelos performed this season whatsoever. Where in January, he's no fit. Um, even in no firm game, he was still sluggish. Um, he had two good chances. If that was Morelos from the 2020 season, uh, he would have scored it. Um, so, yeah, like there were two golden opportunities there for him to uh, get a goal. He, he didn't do it. Um, and yeah, I would, if I had to pick, yeah, it would definitely, I would rather part ways with Morelos and that. I think Bill kind of alluded to that. He made a wee hint at the press yeah. conference, uh, like speaking about that. But yeah, the rebuild needs to start now. A lot of Deadwood like, likes of Scott Wright, James Sands. It, he, obviously, we were talking about Hollander off air. I think he'll be off as well. He's not played football in over a year. Um, like there's a, uh, Ryan Jack, he's one that kind of divides opinion because Ryan Jack, when he's fit, he's a good player, but he's missed a lot of games. But the, the the impression I'm getting off Michael Beale is that he's a fan of Ryan Jack, so it would not surprise me if he gets offered a new deal. Scott Arfield, me personally, I would actually offer him a new contract purely because, like, even when you look in the Aberdeen game when he came on, just completely transformed the game as an impact sub. He loves the club, gives his all. I would definitely give him uh, like another deal. And obviously, I'm not saying start him every game, far from it. Like, start him. Like starting every so often, squad player bring him off from the bench, um. But yeah, the, it's going to be crucial. The, the summer's going to be massive, especially this window. I think we, Rangers at least need to get two or three, two or three players in, maybe one or two out the door. Um, the, the situation with, with Morelos is where he's out of contract in the season. Do we sell him in, in in January, or do we just keep him until the end of the season? So it's. I think Ryan Kent will set a new deal. But Morelos, it's just up in the air. And uh, in terms of Cholak as well, a lot of people think that he's not going to fit into Bill's system, um, which will be quite disappointing because Cholak's been our best signing uh, from the summer. He's been fantastic, banging in the goals. And there's a reason why he's kept Alfredo Morelos out of the team. So it would be disappointing to, if he was to go. Um, but hopefully Bill can find a way to like fit him in the squad. But yeah, he needs to get players that are going to fit into his system. Josh, with the first old form game under the with the new technology of VAR, we did we did have the, the the participation of something maybe happening. I thought overall the referee actually was okay. I don't think there was any 
terrible decisions that he got wrong. The one thing you can obviously point to is the corner Golden handball. Now, I don't think anybody can argue that it's a handball, but we've got people saying is the, the rule, is it, a, is it a deliberate handball? But you've also obviously got what you usually get after an old firm is the the talk of is there evil forces at work? Now, I think that's, I've said it before, I've, I've never I've never agreed on that. I think it's nonsense, but we do have this thing with VAR. And my thing with that is, and I'm sure I'm going to get both your thoughts on this, even if Willie Collum doesn't think that that's a penalty in the VAR room, he can tell John Beaton in the, the field that that's not a penalty. I have always been of the opinion it is the referee that has to make the call. The referee should, if it's that type of thing, the referee has to make that decision. He's got the tool to see that again. Why does Willie Collum say, and I'm not going on at Willie Collum, I know I've said on here, I don't, I've never ever liked him as a referee, but why is the referee, and this happens a lot, it's not just in Scotland recently, it's ha- it happens a lot, we saw it at the World Cup. Referees have the option to go and look at it. Why why has that not happened? I don't understand that. What John Beaton could have said, could have had a look at that and said, right, it's a penalty, or it's not a penalty. I don't think, I, I think we've saw things to say it is a penalty, it's not a penalty. I I think it, it definitely hits his hand, but as it against the, the rules have said, it's it's one of those, but it should be the referee that has a call to make. It shouldn't be left to the referee in the VAR room, and then we don't hear any more about it, and then we hear the, the usual people bringing up the the nonsense we hear after that. And it's because of that, though, that that, that, that is allowed to fester because it just seems to be not really organised. Yeah, I would agree. <clears throat> I think it is a penalty. Uh, his hands are in an unnatural position, uh, outstretched. The ball does come. It's a fairly short distance, however, I think it's, it's still a penalty. His hands are there, up next to his face. It's a penalty. I don't think anybody would um, argue if it is a yeah, penalty. Yeah. That's... Uh, I think the, the VR, the use of VR is just, it's taken, in Scotland at least, it's taken out of the, it's taken out of the hands of the referee that's on the pitch. It's called video assistant referee for a reason. Mm-hmm. It's meant to assist the referee. It's not meant to be decided by some guy sitting in a van or in an office, wherever it is, watching it on the TV. The referee should be able to go to the side of the pitch despite what whoever is watching it elsewhere thinks and make his decision on it. John Beaton, I'm not sure what he did. He might have decided as well it's not a penalty. That's fine. But we'd like to see him, the referee, go into the monitor and checking it rather than, oh, no, it's fine. Just wave on play. Just play on. I don't think it's a penalty. Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's absolutely fair. Scott, you to add on that? You yeah, I don't think it was a penalty. I do not think it was a penalty, right? So I'll read this out to you, right? This is from the FEB website, right? This is this is the rules, right? So there's a Q&A thing on it, right? It says this, I'll quote it. An attacker takes a powerful shot on goal. A defender who is very close puts her hands in front of their face as reflex action to protect their face and, their ball hits her, and the ball hits her hands. What is the referee's decision? The answer... The referee allows to allows play to continue as the hand arm position was the result of the player's natural reflex movement and did not make the body unnaturally bigger. So if we're going by the rules, that was not a penalty. So John Beaton, in my opinion, well not in my opinion, going by the rules, it was not a penalty. But you've you've hit on the point there that I think is the I think the th- I think we what we need to see. See if that is the rules. That's all that has to be said. That is that's all that See, and this is the thing I've got with referees. Referee, if Michael Beale picks the picks the wrong sub, Michael Beale gets quizzed on it. If John Beaton makes the wrong call, we never hear why John Beaton has made that call. I've I've asked to have 
SFA referees in this podcast and they're not allowed on because they're not allowed to be quizzed. And that's the issue. See if, see if it's not a penalty. That's Somebody needs to come out and say that. It's left to it's it's left to us, the likes of us, to debate it and things like that, and then other people to make make calls that I think can lead to serious problems for referees because referees' character are, are now seem to be getting questioned a lot. That I think stuff like that would be would nip would nip some of it in the bud. And I don't think it's a, I don't think it's everyone. I think there's a small portion that have this in their head. And I've said it for years. There's a small person that have this in their head, and they'll never be convinced otherwise. But I think v- I think Josh is right. I think VAR is there to assist the referees. It's not there to re-ref the game. If if that is not a penalty, if that's not a penalty in the rules of the game, and that is the conclusion the referees have come to, that's fine. That's all we need to know. We do not need to, we do not need what comes after that. Silence just adds more fuel to the fire, in my opinion. And that's I don't. I don't Oh, sorry to interrupt, Scott. I know what you're saying about like the referees, but why we need to hear why they made that decision. I've been saying that for a long time. Where, like, how is it fair if managers and football players, right, they've had a terrible game, managers on the verge of getting a sack, they're getting asked questions by a journalist saying, How do you feel? Are you worried about your future, etc.? They, they need to go out and do that, right? So, why can't the referee go out and explain, Okay, this is why I made this decision? That's it. Explain why. Mm-hmm. That's it. So, I, I think, like, that's what referees need to do. And I think that referees are too protected to an extent. I know it's a difficult job. They come under a lot of abuse, which is very unfair. But, like, come on, like, they know what they're getting themselves into. Like, they need to go out there and explain why they made it. Not, so, I mean, we watched the World Cup as well. ITV went to a professional referee explaining why decisions were made. Why do, the referee should do that after the game, explain why they made that, you know? So, and that would, like, it would, be, it would clear up a lot of things and give a lot of clarity. Whether we agree with it or disagree with it or not, we can we, we can be like, okay, that's why he made that decision. Then we can take it from there. And that, like, I keep going on about the World Cup, but Japan against Spain, the, the thing obviously with the ball going out, going that was stayed on the line that led to a Japan goal. We didn't hear anything on that. Then the next day we heard a, a thing from the uh, FIFA talking about it. And it was kind of napped in the bud just because they'd come out and said, this is why we gave the goal, it's in play. And that was a kind of close of it. But this will be this thing will be allowed to fester, and this is the issue I've got with with referees in Scottish football. Because I, I think the I think the technology can help. I think it's that it's it's got its teething problems, as a lot of us seem to seem to agree on. But I think it's it's just going to. I think if it's not addressed and taken care of quickly, I think it's allowed to fester. But we do have five other games to talk about. We could have, we could probably talk about that game all day because a lot of a lot happened. But we did have another derby to talk about, Scott. It was. Hearts three, Hibs now double from Lauren Shankland obviously puts him level and goes with Kyogo and the, the Premiership scoring chart. Stephen Humphreys added a third later on. Hearts obviously they're getting players fit. The really bad injury to Craig Gordon as well was a difficult one a couple of weeks ago, but obviously Xander Clark's come in. Lauren Shankland two goals, big difference. He was the, he's the difference maker. Hearts are now five points clear in third of the rest of the pack, and it's certainly a it certainly it was certainly a good derby for it from a Hearts point of view. Oh yeah, hundred uh, percent. Shanklin's been flying for Hearts. He scored eighteen goals this season in all competitions. He's been a fantastic get for them, and he's just he was causing Hibs all sorts of problems. And uh, yeah, and obviously you, t- you touched on the Craig Gordon injury. Xander Clark's uh, been a a really good replacement so far. I think he's a very solid pair of hands. Um, and yeah, and I think it was a great result for Hearts. Like I, I think even going into that game, I think everyone knew Hearts were going to beat. Hibs and obviously Hearts have got players coming back they're finding their rhythm again 
I think they've got third place secure. Um, I don't see anyone touching them. Uh, Robbie Nielsen, I've always been a fan of Robbie Nielsen. I think he's a very good coach. Um, but for Hibs, though, it was a disastrous start. Disastrous. They didn't even get into the game until they were 2-0 down. That's when they started to wake up a bit. Then, obviously, Hearts just killed them off for the third. Um, but, yeah, I thought it was a good good, good performance from Hearts and a massive three points. And they just like took care of Hibs like they always have done in recent derbies. Josh, Hibs, I think, are a team maybe when they're in a difficult position, as Scott said there. They went 2 0 down and started playing football. It was similar against Celtic the, the game before. I thought they played that they were playing some good stuff in that game, but it was an uphill battle. They lost early goals, they make silly mistakes, and it's really difficult for Lee Johnson. I think the only reason Lee Johnson's still in a job is because I think Hibs have made too many managerial decisions over the past few years as it is. I don't think they want to make another one, but something really needs to change because it must be frustrating for, for a Hibs fan. It must also be frustrating for Lee Johnson as well because they are capable of playing some really good stuff, but there's a lot of problems there. Of conceding goals and then they, they come alive too late. Yeah, uh, I think Hibs are in quite a poor state now. I think the first goal uh, Hart scored Shanklin's goal sums up. Um, mm-hmm. Will Fish, I think it was, right in his own goal line, thinks he tries to shield it out and he thinks that Hart's playing nips in, gets it off him and Hart score from it. Um, Lee Johnson, I think there was videos of him out in a pub in Edinburgh and, uh, the night before the match, I think Sunday night. Uh, and then you go and lose 3-0 the next day. It's not a very good look for a manager. If I was a Hibs fan now, I would, I would be quite infuriated. Uh, I think I read something on Twitter. They've not beaten either of the old firm or Hearts since 2019, I think. And if that's correct, that is quite shocking for Hibs. Yeah, they have good talent in that squad as well. Guys like Ellie Yuan, he looks a bright player. Mm-hmm. Kevin Nisbet up top, we know the quality he has. Porteous, we don't, well, he could be, he could be coming goals, bids coming in for him uh, from Europe. Uh, you've got guys like Chris Cadden in there who are actually all right. However, Hearts are just a level above. They're a level above everyone else in the league apart from the Glasgow sides. Uh, they showed that. And they continue to do well, like you mentioned there, Shankland. He's been immense for them this season. Scores a lot of penalties, to be fair. However, you need that type of talisman at your club. And Xander Clark came in and done brilliant, made quite a few brilliant saves. With the game at 2-0, they conceded there. Could have went to 2-1, then could have went either way. You never know. However, Hearts, it's just the quality they have in their squad as well. You've got guys like Alan Forrest sitting on the bench. Stephen Humphreys comes on and scores. Australia International, Nathaniel Atkinson there. They've got a great squad. And I think Hearts, third place is well secured for them. Perhaps looking at that at the minute. Yeah, I think it's it's two very different sides of a coin. I think Hearts are flying again, getting getting most of the players fit as well, which was a big thing in the first half of the season. They had a lot of injuries. Now they're beginning to get players back. I think Snodgrass has been immense for them in the past few games. Him, he's he's beginning to find full match fitness as well. You guys like Grant, like Joyce Grant as well, coming in the summer, he's beginning to find his feet. Humphrey's scoring a late goal as well. They're beginning to get there, whereas Hibs, as you say, they do have the talent, but are they? there's big, big problems there. And I think it's going to be difficult for Lee Johnson. As you say, McGeady comes on at half-time, and he kind of runs the game for a wee bit, but there's just nothing comes of it, and that's a, that's a big problem. But Hearts will certainly be the happy of the two sides. Hearts sitting in third, and Hibs sitting in eighth. The D United are a side that, are, that seem to be on the ascendancy. Uh, 1-0 away victory over St. Johnson. Tony Watt with the goal, 10 minutes from time to get the three points and puts the United in a better position than they were a few weeks ago. But Tony Watt, 
again, one of those players who can change a game, but Josh, he could be away shortly. Yeah, we've seen that. Salford City interested in him. He uh, could be going down there with ex-premiership striker Calm Hendry, I believe it is. is that? That's right, yeah. Uh, Tony Watt, though, scored the winner in that game. It's a good goal on the turn, fires it into the bottom corner. He has, we know what quality he has. Uh, we've been interested to see if Dundee United went for another striker. Obviously, they've got Fletcher there. They've got the boy Sadat Anaku, I think his name is. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was quite an even game, to be honest. I think it maybe could have went either way. Both sides had chances. Eventually, Dundee United walk away with a one-nil win, and like you say, they've turned a they've not turned a corner. They've got two wins on the bounce, two clean sheets. They drew two each for Hearts as well. Uh, they're doing quite well now. They've got Rangers up next. That should be an interesting one next Sunday at Tannadice. Josh, Dundee United obviously a big a big couple of weeks for them. Obviously, with two big wins, but St Johnson again, they're sitting in an okay position. They're not. They obviously it'll be a. You can argue the goal came against their on a play. They'll probably be hard done by not to pick up at least a point out of that game, but. St. Johnson will be wanting to turn it round quickly and get some wins on the board because they're, they're obviously only a point away from the top six, but they're also fight only five points away and if they struggle to pick up results from the from the relegation places. Yeah, it can turn in a blink of an eye, as we know in the Scottish Premiership. I think it's like three points. I'm just looking at it right now. Three points separates fourth from eighth and now St. Johnson are sitting seventh, 24. They will need to turn a corner. They have some decent players in that squad. They, I believe they missed a penalty in this game. Am I correct in saying that? Or, no, that was the previous match. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, St. Johnson, though, I think they're a good side. They've came a long way since last season. When we look at where they were last season, bottom of the table, had to stay up through the playoffs. They have done well and they are progressing. I think top six will be the aim for them this season. But, like you say, they do need to start pulling results together. Uh, Aberdeen next week, though, could be all right for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Scott, obviously a, a great result for the D United. St. Johnson obviously will be hard, hard done by not to take a point, but probably the D United are certainly happier than they were a couple of weeks ago. Oh, yeah, 100%. <clears throat> they will be happy with that. That was a big uh, three points for them. In terms of Tony Watt, though, what you were, uh, were just speaking about there, um, it looks like he will be off. I think he will be going, I think he's going to be soft for City. So he, I think Dundee United will probably cash, it, cash in on him. Uh, and see, to be honest, Tony Watt is not being, he's not really set the house on fire since going to Dundee United. He's only scored five goals. Um, at Motherwell, he's brilliant. He was he was scoring goals for fun, but he's just not really lived up to the hype since going to Dundee United. But that is a big result for them. Um, I think Dundee United, I think it'll be, I still, as I said before last time I was on the, the, the podcast, I still feel as though Dundee United are still, they're still in a relegation battle. Um, top six. They're not going to get that. I think the damage this season was already done, but with Jack Ross, in my opinion, and with Liam Fox coming in, it was still, I'm still, I still don't believe in that appointment. But this season, it's just all about staying up because if Dundee United were to go down this season, it will be a crisis. And we've seen how badly it hurt them financially yeah, a few years ago when they went down because they were down the championship, I think, for at least three or four years. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so this season, it's just all about staying up. And obviously, Josh was saying that Rangers have uh, done the United this weekend. Um, that will be, I think, the last time Rangers went to Tannadice. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think Dun United, Dun United actually beat Rangers. Might have, yeah. yeah it was, that was Rangers' first loss. Yeah. And I think about 40 odd games or something. Um, so, yeah, I think like going to Tannadice, regardless, it's still a tough place to go. Um, but if Tony Watt does go, they've got Stephen Fletcher there. He's only scored about four or five goals this season as well. Um, but if Tony Watt was to go, I don't think it'll be 
a huge loss for Dundee United, and they, they probably will get a few quid for him as well. We'll move on to the Livingston 1, Motherwell 1. Obviously, a game full of drama. Like It was in the 20th minute, as we saw. Nicky Devlin had two penalties. Obviously, there was a bit of drama in that. When Nicky, he took the first penalty, it was saved by Liam Kelly, and he managed to score the rebound. But VAR was, I thought VAR was quite good here. It showed that Liam Kelly was off his line. Livingston had to take the retake, and Kelly pulled off a save. Scott, I I kind of think that's a weird one. How does a how does the Motherwell goalkeeper get punished by then by having to take the retake with a chance to save the penalty and keep it at now now? How does the Motherwell goalkeeper get rewarded for that? Yeah, <laughs> I it's that weird. Think... It's just that weird yeah. rule, and it happened that season as well. It was was it Napoli against Rangers? I think I was Napoli. Yeah, that's the penalty yeah. as well, and it's it's just that weird weird thing of football. I, I don't understand it. Yeah, I, I found it bizarre. It made it even funnier the fact that uh, boys went the same way again. Right, <laughs> like he went the same way again. It was like two terrible penalties, and um, so I think it's safe to say he'll be off penalty duty for a good while or so. But I would say, from a Livy point of view, I think David Martindale will be really frustrated with that. Like obviously they, they took the lead right. They had a penalty as well, missed that. Thought Motherwell were the better side, but see, we live it though. They've got aspirations of uh, getting European football this season, right? Mm-hmm. I had David Martin on my podcast uh, last month, and he was telling me that's the aim for this season get European football. And I think Livy have the squad to do that because uh, last season they missed out in the top six just. Um, but yeah, that's I think Livy will look at that as two points dropped. And credit to Motherwell, I thought they, they played well, created a number of chances, they were, they were just lacking that bit of cutting edge. And that's been kind of like the story of their season. But that's that, that was a good performance from Motherwell. I think that's the best I've seen them in a long time. But they're in the same boat as Dundee United, where they'll be just looking to stay up this season. And, but yeah, I would I would look at, from a living point of view, they, they will be disappointed not to win that. Because at home, especially against a side who are fighting relegation, that's the games that living that you win. Same goes with St Mirren, which we'll get on to, because they do well against the big sides, but when it comes to the smaller sides and the the, 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 the poor sides in the league, no disrespect, that's where you need to, that's your bread and butter, you need to beat those sides. Gosh, I think probably both teams are unhappy with a point at the start of the game, but Mother will probably needed it more. They they probably will be feel hard done by Van Veen scores a good equaliser to obviously get them the point. Motherwell, though, are getting pulled towards the kind of, the foot of the table. Obviously, with Dundee United winning as well, Kilmarnock have been in a good run. They will want to turn it round, though. They will want to start putting their performances into, into three points every week. Yeah, I think the performance was there for Motherwell. I think they've done really well. Van Veen scores. I think he was quite good throughout the game. Very lively. Had quite a few shots in goal. Um, Livy, they will be... With the way they performed, they'll be pleased with the point. However... They would have been aiming for three going into that. And like you say, that's the games they want to win if, like you say, Scott, they're looking for European football. Um, although they are getting dragged into that kind of scrap at the bottom of the table, and that's a place they wouldn't want to be. Um, especially 19 points are same as Dundee United now. They're only ahead of them in goal difference. Um, and Ross County, obviously, at the bottom there on 16. Um, but Mullow, we'll be interested to see how they go. They've been, always been seem to be one of those inconsistent teams. One week they can be good. One week they can be rubbish, next week they're all right. They're, they don't really seem to have that consistency in the performance. In terms of like Livy, though, they, they always seem to, you know what they're going to bring, you know they're going to put up a fight, especially to Tony Macaroni. And that's all the more impressive that Motherwell went there and played the way they did and done what they did. But I think it was a fair result in this game. 
It's a big cause for concern for them. Two wins in the last 14 uh, league games as well. So even though it's a good performance and it's a decent point for them, it's still not looking good. It's still a cause for concern, the fact that they're not picking up wins and only two in the last 14. Yeah, I think there's a massive game for Murrow on Sunday against Hibs. We'll get into that later on. But big, big game for Aberdeen. Obviously, they badly needed a victory at home to Ross County. That would have been five games without a win if they hadn't picked up three points. And they didn't. They were held to a nil-nil draw by Malky Mackay's Ross County side. Scott, Aberdeen, I think there's a lot of problems there. I think there I just think there's a... I just don't, I don't know where to start, to be honest. I, I thought at the start of the game when I heard like Christian Mirez was starting, I was like, how's that came about? He's been, all, he's been out of favour for months and now he's back in the squad. They dropped Connor Barron, who I think is probably the most, one of the most consistent players in the league this season. I think Jim Goodwin is just trying to throw anything at the wall to see what sticks. And that's fine, but you need to win, especially at home to a team like Ross County. That will be a big, big blow for Jim Goodwin's side. Oh, massively. Um, and I'll I'll be honest, right, I think, see, after the, the 3-2 game against Rangers and the way Aberdeen capitulated, Aberdeen have not been the same since. And I, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not even exaggerating saying this. Uh, after that game, that I think that has just killed all the morale in that Aberdeen dressing room because what a way to lose a game like that, you know. And obviously Aberdeen created a lot of chances against Ross County, but that's expected and they still couldn't uh, find the back of the net. But there is a lot of problems there. Now, I do agree with you that, about the fact that uh, like he's just trying to throw everyone, everyone at the wall and seeing what sticks. Aberdeen spent £1.5 million, I think, in the summer. And Aberdeen fans, I don't think they're getting their, their money's worth. Uh, Aberdeen... The money they spent, they should be right up there with hearts, and they're not. They're, I think they're about six, seven points off, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, Aberdeen haven't won in the last five games. And like Goodwin, he's just, I think he's a decent manager, right? Done well at St. Mirren, but I don't know what it is. Like when you look at Celtic as well, the way he's set up, I think we can all agree, like that was pathetic. It was embarrassing where it was. There was not football. I like the dark arts of football. I, I like the part of the bus, etc. I get that, but that was just—I didn't know. I didn't know what that was, and it didn't work out in the end. Where like Aberdeen's bottle went, and Celtic ended up scoring. And there's something wrong fundamentally with that Aberdeen dressing room, where they conceded late on against Celtic, conceded two goals in stoppage time to Rangers, where Rangers were terrible throughout the whole game. There's something seriously wrong. Then they went and lost to St. Mirren three-one. Yeah, it's not looking good for Aberdeen, and I don't think they will get rid of Jim Goodwin. I think um, the chairman's going to give him a bit more time, um, and I think they will bring in players as window. But it's there, there is problems there, um, and their, their confidence is absolutely short right now, and it's going to be a big month, big month for them. Josh, you probably before the World Cup, you would have said Aberdeen were were in real contention to finish third. They were, but. When you're in that slump, when you when you go five games without a win, especially after you've been in a decent run and decent form, how do you pull yourself out of that? Because you can have all the possession you want, and I think Aberdeen, a lot of the time, they can play some decent stuff. I thought they were quite decent against Rangers in the second half, but how do you recover from that? Because that must be, as Scott says, that a game like that is a gut punch. When you lose two late goals like that, and then especially in a, a highly contested game, how do you recover, especially when now you've went from near enough, near enough being in contention for third to being only two points away from being out of the top six? 
Yeah, I think it's very hard to recover. Like you say, both games, I think, against Celtic and Rangers would have shot the confidence right out of them. Rangers in particular, but Celtic obviously as well. They defended the whole game, then they get last-minute goal. Um, I think after the games, you'd ha- they had St Mirren, Kilmarnock and Ross County. You'd be aiming for between six to nine points from those games if you're Aberdeen, with no disrespect to the other sides, and they've managed to get one. Mm-hmm. Vastly concerning. They, the Ross County game, they created their chances. They've done well, but as much as you're doing that, you need to take them. I don't think... They, they were flying before the break. They were doing brilliant. Like you say, they were in contention for that third spot, playing some brilliant football. I think for some sides, the break just came at the wrong time. I think Aberdeen was winning. Um, and especially the two games against Celtic and Rangers just took the confidence right out of them. They need they need to start picking up points now. A good one's going to be under even more pressure because you just can't take four losses in the bounce then a draw at home to Ross County. However, Ross County, they were solid. They've done really well. They defended well. They've proved they can do that this season, though. They've done well at Celtic Park. I think Celtic managed to beat them 2-1 in the end. Yeah, they were all right against Rangers. Uh, Rangers went up there 1-1-0 a couple of weeks ago. Um, Malky Mackay's side have proved that, and that was a good point for them. They lost four in the bounce going into that game, and they're bottom of the table now. They have Levy uh, and Dingwall um, at the weekend, so they look to turn a corner in that game, potentially. However, Aberdeen, it's... it's Big problems there. Good one has to solve them soon. Yeah. yeah. Scott Ross, from a Ross County perspective, I think it's difficult because I've we've spoke a lot about them this season that they're they are solid. They can play some decent stuff. They're quite solid at the back, but you need in games like that you you need to create chances. You need to score more goals. Ross County are by far the lowest goal scorers in the league. They've got the lowest goal difference. That's the reason they're bottom of the league. I don't think I don't think anybody can argue that Ross County play some decent stuff, but they need to start scoring goals or they're going to be in trouble. Yeah, hundred percent. Like they've got they've got absolutely nothing up front. It, like White's not good enough, and it's it just overall they're just they lack creativity and there's just no goals. And that's why I think they're going to go down. That's what's going to cost them this season. It's been the story of their season not being able to score goals. And I think this window. It'll be it's massive for them to get a striker. If they don't get a striker in who's half decent and can get some goals, they'll go down. They will go down. And yeah, they are a well organized unit. They are. They do all that well. They are quite difficult to break down. Like as Josh was saying a couple of weeks ago, when Rangers went up to Dingwall, it was it was very tough for Rangers. They there are no pushovers when it comes to like the way they set up, but. Up front, they are just so weak. And like that's when you when you're playing against Ross County, you don't need to fear about like, okay, we can even put our like our squad defenders in there, we'll be all right. They won't create anything, they won't score. You know, so yeah, it's massive that they, they, they need to get a striker in this window or else they're going to finish rock bottom. Mm-hmm. Final game of the weekend in the Premiership was Kilmarnock now. St Mirren now, an early red card for Ethan Erehon meant Kilmarnock, I thought Kilmarnock was ever a, a good chance to keep their good form going, but Derek McInnes was quoted as saying his Kilmarnock side were predictable as they failed to overcome a 10-man St Mirren Josh, I think that's fair. I think when you when you lose a man that early, St Marin will be will be delighted to go up the road by a point. But from a Kilmarnock perspective, it's kind of more of the same. Kind of failing to take advantage when you've got a chance there. Yeah, it would be would have been disappointing for them. Erehon gets sent off early on for Kilmarnock. You're looking at oh, this is a game we could actually go and win here. However, like you said, McKenna says same old can't really take their chances, but. So Mirren would have been more than pleased with that point, I think. They were unfortunate not to win it at the end. Alex Grieve had a chance. They put some pressure on towards the end of the game. 
But St Mirren look really good this season under Robinson. I think they've done pretty well. Uh, Kilmarnock have kind of turned a corner in recent weeks. A victory there would have backed that up even more and they will be disappointed to come away with just a point from that game. Scott, I think, that, I think that's fair. I think Kilmarnock, they'll be the dominated possession, but you can dominate. We've, we spoke about it with Aberdeen. We spoke about it with a few teams tonight, actually. You can dominate the ball all you want. If you're not creating yeah. chances, then it's no worth a, it's no worth anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like he's that. Like I would see after um, St. Mirren got the early red card, that was a massive uh, opportunity for uh, Kilmarnock to push on and get the three points. But credit to St. Mirren. They are such a well-organised unit. They are a very good side. And Stephen Robinson's doing a fantastic job there. And Because both old firm have struggled against St Mirren this season. Uh, like, at their ground, obviously, City, they lost. Uh, St Mirren beat Celtic 2-0. Then Rangers dropped points in Giovanni Van Bronckhorst's last game there. Mm-hmm. But, yes, St Mirren, they're just so difficult to play against. And Kilmarnock found that out as well, where they'll be delighted with that point. That is massive. Because the red card as well, it was daft. There was no need... For the boy to elbow him like that, that early on as well, it was stupidity. So I think Stephen Robinson would have been livid about that, but he'll take the point all day long. And at Kamarat, though, they will be frustrated of it, like as uh, you were saying there about what Derek McKinnis said, it was but they were predictable. Yeah, they were, they were predictable. And St. Mirren seen right through that, Stephen Robinson seen right through that, and just couldn't really break them down in that way. But I think Kamarat will be frustrated because the fact that they beat Aberdeen recently, beat them 2 1. So, and they beat them at Rugby Park. So, Derek McInnes must have been thinking, right, we beat Aberdeen, we can go on a wee run here. But, yeah, that's two points dropped for Kilmarnock, but Stephen Robinson will be over the moon. Josh, Ethan Erehon is a, a player that's come under a bit of a news in the past couple of days, obviously the red card at the, in Monday. But there's been chat that he was potentially heading to Forest Green Rovers in English League One. The deal seems to be off, but... He could be a big loss to St Mirren if he was to go, because there is still talk of maybe going to a place like Oxford or Portsmouth. He's a big player for St Mirren. Yeah, I think he's so young as well. He's came through the ranks at the club. He's done well. He's versatile. He can play home midfield, he can play left back, play attack midfield. He's a big asset for Stephen Robinson in that engine room and defence when he plays there as well. He did let his team down at the weekend, though. We can't deny that uh, so early on in a game. That could be a sign of inexperience, just youth reacting to. Maybe something stupid said in his ear, we don't know. Uh, but at his age, it's very hard to turn down a player the chance to go and have a crack at England. So could be interesting to see Oxford Forest Green, two decent clubs down there. Um, and St Mirren, they keep producing talent. They do. They didn't, John McGinn came through the academy there, um, the, even in the squad now, not through their academy. Well, actually, through so guys like Kieran Offord, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. However, they also have a talented squad, guys like Keanu Bacchus, Ryan Strain. You wouldn't imagine it'd be long for interest, isn't them? I hear Rangers from maybe looking at Bacchus as well in recent times. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, Ethan Erehon, he's a talented player. Always liked him, to be honest. He's still quite young, though. He seems like he's been around for a while, but he is only 21, 22. So. Yeah, looks okay. good. yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of transfer news over the next few weeks as well. But we'll move into the Championship. It's been a big, big kind of turns in the Championship since we were last recording the show. Queen's Park are now the new league leaders. are two points clear at the top of the league. A big one over Partick Thistle on Monday, a 2-0 victory. Queen's Park, Scott, what a rise for them in the, the past few weeks as well. When Aaron, the day right at Morton, they've been fine it out. But Queen's Park have kind of been going under the radar and they're just getting wins. Oh, yeah, 100%. They're, they're flying right now. And do you know who I credit a lot of that to? Leanne Dempster in the boardroom. Definitely. See, Leanne Dempster, she is a very good chief executive. And like she's done wonders with that club. And their tension of getting promotion this season with uh, our growth last year, 
um, it was all like let's say it was a fairy tale story, but really deep down we knew they weren't going to get promoted. But with Queen's Park, though, I genuinely believe they have a serious chance of going up this season. Maybe not winning the league, but maybe through the playoffs. But that's a massive credit to Leanne Dempster. And you can see, ever since Leanne Dempster left Hibs, on the field, Hibs have went right downhill and they are a mess. But that, like the fact that Queen's Park were able to land her, she deserves a lot of credit for her, the way she's rebuilt Queen's Park and got them flying. Yeah, and it's, it's great to see. And if they get promoted, they'll be, it'll be a great asset to the, pre- the Premiership, in my opinion, because they are one of Scottish football's most historic clubs. Um, Greenock Morton, though, I think they've kind of faded away, faded away a wee bit because I actually believe they would have, like, I, I, I still kind of believe they have a good chance of going up, but they've kind of faded away a wee bit. But they've, it's good to see they've turned a corner because considering the fact that a couple of years ago they were in real dire straits financially and Doogie Emery's done a great job there. So when you look at the Championship right now, it's up for grabs between like Partick Thistle and Queen's Park. So, yeah, it's definitely an exciting league to watch this season, whereas last year it was basically basically a two-horse race to an extent. But, yeah, the Championship's entertaining this year, that's for sure. Yeah, I think you've got a lot of, a lot of teams that could maybe go up in that league as well. I think Dundee, obviously, I wouldn't sleep in Dundee either. I wouldn't sleep in Air either if they can get a, get a run going again. But a managerial change in the Championship after Monday, I don't think we're... I think it's quite surprising that this news has came now, but I, I think at the at the time of this appointment, I was like, I don't see that lasting too long. Jim McIntyre has parted company with Cove Rangers. Cove are maybe a, a, a club similar to Queen's Park. Maybe there's a lot of ambition there, Josh, but losing Paul Hartley, get bringing in Jim McIntyre, it was a bit of a change, and it's, it's probably been unlucky for Jim McIntyre, actually. I think he's he's had to get in there. Obviously, a couple of players have left. It's... It's, it's been a difficult season so far, but Cove will be hoping to get that appointment right and stay in the league. Yeah, it's a big appointment for them. They're sitting four points off the relegation spot. They're ten points off... Well, sorry, four points off the playoffs. Uh, they are a good ten points off the bottom, so that's all right for them. Mm-hmm. Um, they couldn't really deny Paul Hartley the chance to go down south, um, but they didn't really get the Jim McIntyre appointment right. So that's why it's absolutely crucial. Uh, they get this one spot one to stay in the championship and then build the next season to have a crack. And if they're going to be a side like Queen's Park, try and keep fighting up the divisions. I think though Queen's Park, I, I really like the look of them. I was at Hamden a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they played Hamilton, they beat them 4-0. They play some very entertaining football. They look really good. They've got um, the sporting director and from AZ Alkmaar, I believe, and Marin, but I'm not even going to pronounce the name. But... Uh, they got him in, he's done really well. The recruitment's been spot on. They've got a good blend of youth and experience. People like Grant Savory, ex-Celtic Academy, he's done really well this season. Simon Murray up top, we know the quality he possesses. Captain, he's the leader of the side, he scores the goals. I'd love to see Queen's Park get promoted this season, whether it be automatic or through the playoffs. They've renovated Lesser Hamden as well. Mm-hmm. They're continuing to make strides and, like you say, one of the most historic football clubs in Scotland. It'd be great to see them back in the top flight. Yeah. Uh, League one and League two, Edinburgh have cut the, the gap and done Dunfermline to a point, a massive five three victory over Airdrie. Peter Hedrew now 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 in throws, a couple of cancellations in that league, but with Queen's Queen of South one quite now. And in League Two we had Elgin with a big victory, put centre third and Stirling and Dumbarton also won some big results there. And we're back to we're kinda back to normality, I would say now, Kirinti from, from Saturday onward. It's been weird Christmas it's always weird Christmas. You've got a you feel as if you've got a game every five minutes, but we're kind of back to a normal Saturday-Sunday routine. We'll kind of get through the, the six games and we'll ask for your predictions and we'll kind of hold you to them for kind of over the weekend. 
Josh, we'll start with you. Celtic, Kilmarnock. Celtic have the chance to go 12 points clear. Home game against Kilmarnock. It should probably be routine enough, shouldn't it? Yeah, it should be for Celtic. Yeah, I think we'll see likes of Jota and Abada coming back into the team this weekend. Uh, Aaron Moy, maybe even potentially, I think. Particularly Moy, uh, Jota and Abada, I think they were three players who could have easily started at Ibrox. I think they will this weekend. Uh, it's hard to see anything but a Celtic victory here. Uh, I think I'll go with 3-0 or 4 3-0 Celtic I'll go Scott can you see anything other than a Celtic victory yeah no I think Celtic will win Celtic will win I think it'll be very comfortable I'm going to go 2-0 Celtic I think 3-0 I think Celtic will be I think it'll be fairly routine for Celtic Josh Aberdeen St Johnson can Aberdeen finally get a win on the board after a, a disappointing run and get out of the slump or can St Johnson go up there and Maybe not surprising. I think St. Johnson could get something. I'm going to go one each. I think St. Johnson could get something out of the game up yourself. Yeah, I think it could be an interesting one. I think it could easily go either way. Uh, say Aberdeen get an early goal, they might go on and we've seen what they can do. However, St. Johnson are solid. I think I'll go with a one each as well. One each. Scott, what about that game? I'll agree with you. Well, this is going to be a hat trick here. I'm going to say one each as well. Yeah, I fancy St. Johnson get a result. St. Johnson actually have in the in the past a decent record. At Petodri, if you recall, I know it was years ago, but mind they went up to Petodri and beat them like 5-1, I think it was, a few years ago. Um, they went, yeah, fancy St. Johnson to get something, and the pressure will only just intensify on uh, Jim Goodwin. We'll move on to Ross County against Livingston. Again, one of those games that could go either way. I usually think there's going to be a nil-nil somewhere among the six games. This is the nil-nil for me. Josh, what do you think of Ross County-Livingston? Yeah, I think, like we mentioned earlier, Ross County's attack is quite poor. Livy are usually solid defensively. It is in Dingwall, though. I'll go with a 2-1 Livingston. OK, 2-1 Livingston. Scott, what about yourself when Ross County I'm, against Livingston? I think it'll be scrappy. I think Livy are going to need to dig in deep for it. I'm going to I'm going to go 1-0. It won't be a pretty game at all, but this is super, as I was saying earlier on, but this is the bread and butter for Livy. They need to beat these kind of teams, so they... I don't, I don't think David Martin will care how they do it, but as long as get the three points, so I'm going to go one 0 Levy. One 0 Livingston, and the final game is Saturday. St Mirren against Hearts. Hearts obviously in a really good run, and St Mirren as well. It's always a difficult place to go. I do think Hearts will be Hearts will win one 0 Hearts. I'm going to go for Josh. Do you think Hearts will win one? Like you say, it'll be a tough game for Hearts, but they can and probably should beat St Mirren. I think it'll be an entertaining one. I'll go with three two to Hearts. 3-2 to Hearts, that could be a, a goal fest. Score will be yourself in that game. Yeah, to be honest, I think that'll be game of the weekend. I think it'll be game of the weekend. I'm going to go for a 2-1 hearts. 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 We'll move on to Sunday. We've got two games. We've got a double bill on Sky. Half one, we see Mother will play Hibs. Again, two teams probably in urgent need of a victory. I think there could be goals in this game. I'm going to go for two two each. I think I think there'll be goals though. Josh, what about yourself? I think Motherwell will carry in their performance uh, for the Levy game. I think they'll beat Hibs. Hibs will continue their poor run. I'll go with 2-0 Motherwell. 2-0 Motherwell. Scott, Motherwell against Hibs. I'm going to go 2-1 Motherwell. I'm going to go 2-1 Motherwell. And um, I'll make a bold claim here. I don't think Lee Johnson is going to last the window. I really don't. I feel as though he's lost the dressing room completely. I was going to say this earlier on before uh, we moved on, but... What he said after the Edinburgh derby when he came out and he said, there's too many average players in the squad. I'd rather get rid of 10 and sign one quality player. He brought 15 players in in the summer. 15 players he brought in. And yeah, the way he's coming out, just criticising the players, apparently after the, the Edinburgh derby, he didn't speak to the players in the training ground. He's he's either trying to work his ticket, in fact, he's, he's trying to work his ticket or get backed 
more by the board. And I don't believe he's going to last the window. I, when you come out with those big statements, lambasting the players like that, when really he can't cover himself in glory with the fact that he's brought in these players, 15 players, and it's not been great so far, I don't see him lasting the window. I think it's a ticking time bomb. And if Hibs don't get rid of him, um, he'll be... Uh, they, they won't get the top six, in my opinion, because... Yeah, and that's why that's why I think it'll be two one Motherwell and the Hibs fan. The Hibs fans are already turning on them anyway, and it's not going to be the the reaction if they lose to Motherwell will not be pretty. Yeah, I think I I, I don't disagree with that. I think it could be a, a difficult couple of weeks for Lee Johnson if he does not get a result, particularly on Sunday. Final game at four o'clock. The United host Rangers. Rangers obviously going hoping to get back to winning ways after the draw on Monday. Scott, can they do it? Can Rangers go to Tanadice and pick up a victory? Yeah, hundred percent. Like, uh, like as I was saying earlier on, I've been encouraged by what Bill's done so far. We're playing some good stuff. It's night and day compared to what it was under Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. Um, obviously, as I was saying, Tanadice has still a tough place, tough place to go, regardless of their form. Um, but this again, Rangers will win, and I think Rangers will win it with ease. Um, if Rangers are switched on, um, and I think Rangers will win two 0 I'm going to go for 2-1. I think Rangers will, as normal, go uh, go behind early on and then come back and win the game. I do think I do think Rangers will win, but I still think there's a lot of mistakes in that Rangers team, particularly defensively, so I do think the D-United will score. Josh, give us a wee prediction on the D-United Rangers. I think it could be a tough game for Rangers, Dundee United. They've won their last two games. Rangers cannot afford any more drop points after going nine behind. Uh, I don't think they will. I think they'll win 2-1. Two one, uh, big calls. Big calls. We'll obviously come back and see how we how we got on with the predictions after Sunday. And we're going to wrap up the show there. It's been an absolute pleasure, boys. Scott, first of all, thank you very much. Well, no problem, mate. Thanks, Sammy, again. Um, pleasure, and Josh. Thanks very much again. And we can get your. We will see your column out tomorrow about the the past two games for Celtic. Yeah, look forward to seeing that. Cheers for having us. Absolute pleasure. Thanks very much to everyone who's tuned in. And we'll be back on Monday with another episode of the Scottish Football Show. Thanks very much again, folks. We'll see you soon. Cheers.